I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. The FBI says the number of hate crimes reported in 2020 was the highest in almost 20 years. Many of the targets were churches, synagogues, mosques, and other houses of worship. There was a lot of vandalism, arson, other property damage, and it leads to this question, how do we push back against that kind of bigotry? What do we do to really change the game and change the direction of that? Uh, to help us have that conversation, uh, really pleased to have back on the program with us Rabbi Avrimi Zippel. Of course, he is the rabbi of uh, Chabad Lubavitch uh, of Utah here in Salt Lake City. Rabbi, thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon, Boyd. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be with you again. Wonderful. Uh, so I wish I wish this was one of our more positive conversations, but you've, you've actually been on the receiving end of this kind of hate crime, uh, even here in the state of Utah and Salt Lake City uh, earlier this year. Tell us about that and, and kind of where you think we need to go from there. Um, well, thank you for that. In May, or just about five months ago, almost to the day at this point, um, we arrived at our temple in Sugar House one bright, cheerful spring Sunday morning to find that somebody had put a swastika uh, on the front door of our building in the middle of the night. Uh, we have glass doors on the outside of the building, and somebody had chiseled one into the glass, which was surprising, infuriating, maddening, frustrating. You know, I could go on with the words. It was, it was a surprise to find that in, in the middle of Sugar House in the heart of Salt Lake City. Um, and, and as you know, you know, we know that incidents like these are on the rise around the country, around the world, specifically hitting close to us here at home. And uh, I, I think that there, there, there needs to be really intense conversations around it. I agree with you. Yeah. And let's, and let's talk about those conversations. Uh, and I actually want to start I want to actually want to start with your conversation with your congregation. Uh, obviously, that had, as you mentioned, uh, you can put all the superlatives in there in terms of just the shock, the horror, the bewilderment, all of those things. Uh, but what was your conversation with the con- congregation, and, and how did you start to move that part forward? Well, you know, boy, you are omniscient as always. It's funny that we ha- we're having this conversation today, for, well, actually for, for, for a number of reasons. Last night, we actually started an adult education course at Chabad, at the synagogue, uh, entitled Overcoming Anti-Semitism. Um, you know, I'll make a quick, shameless plug for the conversations that we've been having at the synagogue, which your listeners are more than welcome to join in on, uh, you know, really kind of coming to terms with the reality of the, the very challenging and, and, and somewhat intense, more intense than usual challenges that, that we're up against. Uh, and I think for us, as we, as we talk about it as a conversation, first and foremost, it was about acknowledging the reality of what had happened. And I, and I think that at least we saw a lot kind of 
from a narrative standpoint. It was about acknowledging that this is where we are as a nation. This is where we are as a society. Uh, when when the vandalism happened, there was almost like a natural pivot to, well, you know, there's a lot of raised tensions in the Middle East. You know, this event happened in the midst of the Israeli-Hamas uh, conflict back in May. And so there was almost an effort, you know, to downplay it to a certain extent. You know, well, this is probably still over from what's happening out there in the Middle East, which I think is vastly unhealthy. It's really unhealthy for us to go to a place where somehow vandalizing a place of worship of any faith is, you know, more digestible or more acceptable because, well, there's geopolitical conflict halfway around the world. So that's probably what this is. You know, no, if we really want to grapple with this problem, we need to acknowledge what the heck is going on. And that is that it's become okay to deface places of worship. And that is a major problem across the board. Yeah, and I'm so glad you raised it in in that light because in order to solve anything, you you have to know where you are if you want to chart a course to get where you really want to go. And the fact that it has become okay or acceptable or uh, whatever in our society uh, to do that, and whether it's defacing a building or melting down somebody's uh, social media feed uh, with vitriol and and words that uh, are are painful and harmful. Uh, we have to change that, and I love the fact that you're having these these conversations. And so I don't. This is not a shameless plug. This is a, an invitation uh, to be part of communities in conversation, uh, and I think that's an important thing. So I want you to tell us how we can be part of that uh, conversation in your community. I mean, well, I, I think it starts by educating oneself. I think knowing that this is a global reality. Uh, is, is an integral part of starting the conversation to realize the world that we live in and the unique challenges that we face in 2021, that this has somehow become a, a sociable way of you know, doing business with one another, of defacing other people's places of worship. I think it starts, or, or, or the next crucial step uh, in that process is, you know, absolutely acknowledging that this is not an issue that any one party or, or, or group thought or whatever it is has a monopoly on. You know, I was reading some of the articles that came out around this study from the FBI. You know, there was an article on Axios, and it's it's almost uncanny how you know you read an article and so quickly in the article the specific experts on the topic that they've brought in to talk about always will immediately begin by slamming one political party for this reality. And you know, we live in a world where for four years it was very common to call the president of the United States a Nazi and compare him to Hitler, and now we live in a world where for the past you know, 18 months, it's become very commonplace to accuse a government uh, that is trying to enforce local COVID mandates of being literally the spitting image of Nazi Germany. And, and that's unacceptable on both sides of the aisle. And it happens on both sides of the aisle. And I, I think it's the same conversation that needs to be had when we talk about bigotry against places of worship. This is not the right's problem. This is not the left's problem. This is the world's problem. And the sooner we can all sit down and look one another in, in the eye and acknowledge that and agree on that and try to find a course of action forward for that, we're going to be stuck spinning our wheels in the same mud over and over and over again. Uh, could, could not agree with you more. I think it's this, uh, until we're willing to say that the cancer of contempt, of that looking at others and because they might disagree with us or be different than us or believe different than we do, uh, that somehow they have no worth or value, that we allow malice to creep in. Uh, and malice, of course, makes us very susceptible to misinformation, disinformation, uh, and all kinds of, of hatred. And then that action becomes just a natural byproduct of that. Uh, and I agree, Rabbi, that I, this is one of those that begins uh, with each and every one of us looking in the mirror first 
uh, and and asking what am I doing, and then having and engaging in conversations in our communities uh, and across our communities, all of our communities, uh, in terms of how do we actually do this, do it different, and do it better. Uh, Rabbi, thank you so much for joining us today again, at Rabbi Avrami Zippel, Rabbi at Chabad Lubavitch of Utah here in Salt Lake City. Rabbi, I always appreciate your perspective. Thank you, boy. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, we'll step aside for a quick bottom of the hour break. Uh, when we come back, Jillian Snyder is going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk about a clean slate initiative that happened here in the state of Utah, how it's become a model to the nation to deal with the current employment problems. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.